In this episode, the Deming Institute podcast continues its Deming in Education series with David Langford. David discusses education as a system. Hi, I'm Trip Babbitt. I am here today with international education consultant David Langford. Welcome back to the podcast, David. Well, hello, and it's good to be back again. In our first episode, we talked about education. There was some conversation about uh, no child left behind and kind of what's going on in the broader education system. Uh, there, there's a lot of education reform things going on, government-run things. Now we've got private sector people coming into schools and taking them over. Can we get a, kind of an overall view of what's going on in the education system? Ah, everybody wants the system to improve. And the problem comes in when we try to define, you know, what is that? What does that mean? So people have their well-meaning attempts, putting in their best efforts to try to improve the system of education. And uh, Deming often said we're being killed by best efforts. Mm. So if you want to improve the system, you first have to begin to understand what's the aim of the system, uh, what are you really trying to accomplish. Uh, Deming often is quoted as saying, you know, are we trying to just improve test scores or are we trying to teach people to think? And when you start thinking along those lines, and let's say nine out of ten people would say, well, we want people to think. They want We want them to be able to come out and and being able to become entrepreneurs or becoming good employees or or stay-at-home people teaching their own children or any of the things that is involved with that. So that in itself starts to change the aim of how you want to begin going about improving the system. When you're talking, talking about, well, what, what does that mean for classroom teachers, years ago we started many discussions starting to say, you know, what is the product of education? So like what you were saying, well-meaning corporate people often come in and They'll start working with schools and they'll start talking about students as part of a manufacturing process and that students are the product and sometimes they even talk about students as widgets and <laughs> and uh, that's all pretty misguided in my estimation because students aren't inanimate objects that we do things to and can just improve. So we have to get down to the, what is the product of the education system. Well, the product actually is the learning itself. And if students are coming out of the system with higher and higher levels of learning, then obviously that's a great improvement in the system. So to me, that's that's a, the first step is getting the understanding that learning is the target. And if learning's the target, then we have to think about, uh, you know, what's the aim of the of classrooms, mm. well, my my view and many of my colleagues is that the aim is to concentrate on creating better and better learning experiences within the classroom. So it's not on trying to get test scores. It's not on trying to <clears throat> get better grades. It's concentrating on what is a really great learning experience. And if kids are going, of all ages, are going through tremendous learning experiences, they're going to remember those to a much higher degree 
than if we concentrate on just drill and practice trying to get test results. So, David, let me, let me interject a question here, which is, you know, at, as a parent, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, wait a minute here. I, I understand we're supposed to learn, but Jiminy, you know, if I'm going to get into Harvard, if I'm going to get into Yale, I've got to get uh, good good test scores. I've got to get A's for my child's report card. I've got, you know, all of these things going on that kind of distract you from the actual learning components. So, you know, how do I unravel that as a parent or, or as an educator? Well, the great irony is that the more you concentrate on creating powerful learning experiences, the higher the test scores go. <laughs> hmm. And the more you concentrate on sort of drill and practicing people to death, the lower or the stagnant test scores. If you actually want to break out of the system and get exponential kinds of uh, results from people, you have to concentrate on extremely high-quality learning experiences that students are going through, and then they're going to remember that. So it's, it's kind of the difference between, did you just study something? You hear lots of people say, oh, when I was in college, I studied this, or right. high school, I studied that. But did you actually learn anything? Mm. Mm. <laughs> Those are really two totally different things. No, we stayed up all night drinking coffee and, and cramming that's stuff right. in our brain so we could take the test the next day and then go that's drinking studying. the night after, right? That's studying. And what, oh. you mostly, <laughs> okay. what you mostly learn from that process uh -huh. is all the mechanisms you use to get the test scores or to get the grade. Okay. And that's why when you ask people a year later, what did you actually learn from that experience, they can tell you less than 5%. Wow. Of what? So it's... It's a diminishing return process if you've got a whole, say, whole K through 12 system set up on that methodology of just remember stuff, take a test, and then remember it for the big test and cram all night to get through that. And, and in fact, most of the brain research says brain trims off all those connections very quickly, sometimes within 48 hours. You can't even remember what you crammed for in those tests mm. because that wasn't the aim. You were simply using it as a mechanism. Okay. So I try to teach people how to create uh, very powerful learning experiences. But basically, you're trying to get people to remember this forever. Yeah, and you've and you've talked about you talked about this in the first episode, which is you know you're working with a number of schools, but I'll, I'll use Leander just because that was the one that we primarily talked about uh, out of, outside of Austin, Texas. I mean, what? Why is their learning in Leander, Texas, better than, let's say, the traditional uh, classroom? What, what, what's, the, what, what's the difference between those? What would I see if I went into Leander versus what would I see um, in, in a traditional school? Well, the great, great thing about Leander is that from a systems perspective, that from, from right from the top down, they have a very clear systems um, model of how they work, think, talk, and act. And in the center of that model, it's, it, the center is improved student learning. That's their target. Mm -hmm. And everything else that they do in that system uh, moves around that. And so when new teachers come into that system, they go through training, support, help. They're given time to really understand how you create improved learning uh, experiences. And the whole system works to do that. So a really good example is um, a few years ago, they looked at their 
science scores in elementary schools and said, you know, we can do better. Than, they, were, they were doing pretty good, but we can do better. And, uh, well, how do we do better? Well, we need to create powerful learning experiences. Well, today, basically, the district uh, runs a, uh, I call it the zoo, <laughs> but they have a warehouse that has all kinds of critters, projects, uh, processes, and they have fabulous uh, learning experiences that are basically all in sort of a kid kit format and tubs. And so whenever an elementary teacher is ready for, uh, you know, studying uh, butterflies or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, out comes a tub. It has all, all the materials you need in it. It has uh, the actual animals that you get to put in and watch them grow and do stuff. And so, see, by concentrating on the learning experiences, and, and then those students, as soon as they finish that, they go right on to the next one, the next, and the next. Well, in the space of about five years, their test scores in science have just gone astronomically up. And not only just number of kids passing the state exam in science, that's gone way up, but they also measure the number of students that are what, what, do they, call, what they call exemplary. Mm. And they have a huge number of students that are basically just acing <laughs> the state tests in science. Oh, wow. That's amazing, you know, when you think about 35,000 students, but they took a systems approach and learning is the target and what would make students really want to learn and remember science. Well, you got to have amazing learning experiences in science to make that happen. So that's just one example. Okay. So they're constantly focusing focusing on you know, moving that ahead. I want to take this back to No Child Left Behind. Dimming's theory of knowledge that he came out with, pretty simple uh, on the surface. You have appreciation for a system, uh, understand uh, variation in the system, understand the psychology of the system, have, have a new theory. So when you think about that applied to attempts to improve, for instance, like No Child Left Behind, well, uh, basically, huge expectation was put on the system to just get the numbers. So the system's producing a certain result, and now No Child Left Behind comes along and said, no, you have to get this result with all children by this date. Okay. And if you don't, then we're going to withhold money, and we're going we're gonna to do things painful to you until you do. So that's it's a manipulation by the numbers only to try to see a system improvement. And so what do you get... When you do that, well, you don't get any profound knowledge happening. You get defective behavior erupting. So that's where you get cheating on test scores by teachers and principals and superintendents. And see, there's no method. How do you get from the current state to this new lofty stretch goal? Um, you know, the, the theory behind that is that people are withholding better methods somehow. Uh. Okay. And uh, if we just come out with a new goal, you know, you know, learning for all by this date, that's our big method. Uh, then suddenly you're going to just whip out the good stuff <laughs> that right. you've been holding for years. And so, what happens is is just what we've seen happening. You know, cheating the- scandals, and and not just you know with the land the Atlanta cheating scandal scandal is a good example, but it's happening all over the country. You, you said something, I, I went to uh, your, your two-day conference, and you said something in there very profound from my perspective, which was about 
a fact that that when you have a schedule or you have an end date, you know that that you know the schedule is more important than the quality of learning. And and I thought that that was just a you know that that made that opened a lot of doors in my brain actually that were so focused on hitting a a particular schedule or a, a particular date that that the quality can be compromised, but that's okay. Uh, right. The the system coming out of the last century made learning flexible but it made time rigid. That's called the, the grading system. Say, mm-hmm. uh, set, a, set an arbitrary due date by Friday, and then, do, and then by Friday, do any old amount of work you want, any poor quality level you want, just as long as you get it in by Friday. So the schedule drives everything, and then teachers and parents and everybody gets frustrated when, you know, my, get, my child's getting a C or a D or be or a lot of that is psychological that they realize okay that there's no way I'm going to get an A or do this level of work within this arbitrary time limit so I'll just sort of do whatever I need to do and uh, get whatever I get and basically people just then start responding to the extrinsic motivators see Mm -hmm. Uh, dad doesn't get mad at me as long as I get a C okay so that's you have kids coming in saying, "What do I have to do to get a C?" Right. <laughs> okay. um, I got a D. I got to get a D average to play basketball. Okay. What do I have to do to get a D average? Okay. <laughs> uh, or, you know, if you go on up the scale, you know, maybe I'm an athlete and I want to go to college, and so what's the minimum GPA I have to get so I can go to college? Okay. Mm-hmm. Those are all extrinsic motivators driving the system. So when you make systems change and you come up with a new method and the theory has to be built on, um, you know, Deming said you need, you need to have a theory, so, but the theory has to be built, built on uh, brain research. What is good learning? Mm. What happens to people when they're learning? And I think we're going to talk with J.W. Wilson, who's a brain uh, researcher. He can tell us more about good learning experiences. But... Uh, when that happens, then you get long-term memory happening because people need, they have the taps into their meaning network of what they need to know and understand. So it's, it's a shift in theory and methodology that causes everybody in the system to, to rise up. See, and things like No Child, Child Left Behind don't even look at that, don't even look at the restraining factors going on in the system right now that are that are going to prevent systems from reaching that level okay. of performance. So they'd be much better off simply to study the level of performance that's happening nationwide, look at the, all the common causes that we can find related to that, establish new methods, trial that out in small areas like PDSA cycles, and then start to act on that and establish common methodology by which you will, you know, get those kinds of results, those kinds of test results. So just for clarification, there and there will be a lot of people from the Deming community that will know exactly what you're talking about. But when you're talking in terms of common causes and PDSAs, can you, can, can you uh, uh, simplify that a little bit for somebody that maybe doesn't know what we're talking about? Sure. Well, that's one of the four areas that Deming talked about mm-hmm. with profound knowledge is understanding variation. So if you take any set of data, let's say ninth grade math tests or something from any 
school, and I put and I'd plot those on a graph, I'll find that probably 80 to 90, 90 plus percent of the students are falling in a certain range of performance. And so, those are the the reasons that we're getting that level of performance are common to that system. Mm. And you can think like this in a classroom itself. You can think of this on an individual student basis. You can think of this uh, as a whole school, a whole district, or even the nation. Okay. So these common causes cause variation to happen. So variation comes into the system from multiple standpoints. Uh, uh, students don't all have the same parents. Mm, right. <laughs> they don't all live the same distance from the school. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have the same support networks around. They, they- haven't had the same training coming into a certain level of the system. All that is variability that's, that affects performance. And, of course, we can expect that some are going to be higher and some are going to be lower. But the job of the system is not to spend all of your time ranking the people, trying to figure out from one to one million was the ranking. The job is to understand the variation in the system, look at the average performance, and then decide, am I happy with the average? If you're happy with the average, then just keep on doing what you've been doing. You're going to keep getting what you've been getting. Okay. The variation will pretty much stay the same. Yep, we'll have kids that do well and kids that don't do well. And that's all common cause variation. But special cause variation are could be individuals or it can be individual schools or I would say a district like Leander, Texas, is a com- is a special cause district, not only within the state of Texas, but across the nation. There's something special, so peculiar going on there that they're getting a result that nobody else can get on a large scale. Now you, you... Or on the reverse of that, there's a district or a classroom or, or a teacher that's performing so low, so outside of the system that they're special on the bottom end, in which case they need special help. So, so this gets help yeah, could this more training could mean could mean they're just in the wrong job. <laughs> okay, you you had also mentioned it just kind of off of our previous episode about you know that you wound up with uh, and, and I may have these numbers wrong, but 135 students and 133 of them wound up with A's, and but two of them had they, there were special circumstances associated with those two. And that right. would be an uh, an example of a special cause. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. All right. See, and, the, the theory, I had established a new theory. The new theory was that all of these students can do A-level work, high-quality work. That was the new theory. Okay. But until I met Deming, the old theory was we were grading people to one one-thousandth of a point. I got you. Okay. Spending all of our time trying to figure out who's an A and who's a B instead of figuring out, spending all of our time trying to figure out how do we get all of these students to an A-level performance. Okay. And, and the PDSA piece? Ah. So PDSA stands for Plan, Do, Study, Act. Okay. And that's a, a short cycle or long cycle improvement cycle that's, uh, on the surface, again, very simple, but the deeper you get into it, you it's you can get more and more complex with how it operates, but basically you decide you want to improve something, so you come up with a new theory. What's your plan? Do you have some data on the current situation? 
try to understand what's causing the current level of performance, what's preventing people from doing a better job, and then you, you design new system changes. That's the do part. Design okay. a new system, new way to operate, then you implement that, then you study did it work, and uh, you should be able to compare that data to the planning phase where you looked at the current situation, say, did it work? And if it did work, then you take action to standardize uh, the process, put it into you put it into processes so that next year I can get just as good as results next year as I did this year. And uh, so there's, there's lots of different ways you can standardize it in that level. So you get it to a whole new plat- plateau, then you maintain that until such time as you want to start another PDSA cycle and go again. And psychologically, one of the four elements of profound knowledge, people can only handle so much change at any one time. And so a lot of what's happening in some different states is that so much change is being thrown at people in the system. I was just in a school district not too long ago, and basically the teachers all had PTSD, <laughs> post-traumatic <laughs> stress syndrome. So, like being over in Iraq or someplace, huh? No, yeah. No, it's in America. <laughs> yeah. But so many changes, changes uh, in curriculum, common core or not common core, or do this or do that, uh, 50% of your of your your pay is not going to be determined by your test scores or your students, uh, you know, all these things thrown at people, um, I was talking to some of the teachers, veteran teachers, excellent teachers, just saying they're, they're going to quit as, as soon as they can, because they... they they just can't cope with all that stuff coming at them. So, you know, people yeah, are being, yeah. being killed by best attempts, people trying to improve the system, but they don't have profound knowledge about how to do that. And so they actually end up tampering on a very large scale, making things worse, not better. Okay. And, and you see nowadays, too, there seems to be a lot of uh, money... Uh, it seems to be kind of the name of the game in education. You, you're starting to see all of these. Uh, you probably have the right name for it, but there, there are people that are coming in, uh, or, or organizations are coming in and uh, uh, taking over the school. You know, uh, they're uh, they represent some. You know, it's a for-profit business. You know, they're they're coming in and they're saying, "Okay, well, this school is not performing very well, so we're taking over uh, over this school system." And then you see some improvement. You see them go from, let's say, an an F graded school to a D graded school. What's going on there with that whole arrangement? Well, you will see some improvement because you you get improvement just from stabilization. Mm. So, an unstable situation, you know, sort of what we call out-of-control situation. It's so bad. There's just so many things going on. Well, uh, just pretty much any agency could come into that kind of situation and simply just start to stabilize it with rules, uh, regulations, uh, certain processes, you know, and you can stabilize it and get it normalized, so to speak. And so the variability... uh, is not so crazy anymore, and you start to get a standard result. But what you identified is exactly right. Um, You you barely get (laughs) much better result than you did before. 
you know, I, I see people, uh, you know, crowing about results like, uh, you know, coming into the, some of these schools that has 60% high school dropout rate, and then three three years later they're up to maybe a 40% dropout rate or something. Right. And, you know, look what a fantastic job we've done. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's sort of a, yeah, it is laughable when you think about it because, no, we need to be thinking about 100%. <laughs> You know, zero dropout rate is our target and where we need to be headed and, and then beginning to understand the process and where it is today and where do we need to go next. Mm. That's a continual improvement thinking. And places like Leander, Texas, I mean, that is now well within the culture um, that no matter what the data is, good, bad, whatever it is, comes rolling in every year, we're going to sit down and we're going to try to try to make it better. Okay. And we're going to look at all those factors and figure out you know, are there common things that are preventing people and, and what do we do about it and we're going to make changes based on that okay. and that is unusual about how people approach things most educational improvement is based on programs so we're um, going to have a program for this or a program for that and you institute this program with a certain set of rules and then people do that and then they don't get the result they were hoping for and and let's throw that program out. Let's just do another program. <laughs> so we, so David, we talked a little bit about you know what's going on in the system. Is there is there anything that we didn't cover really under that heading that that you'd like to uh, speak about? Well, no child left behind was the attempt to improve the system by manipulating the numbers. Okay. And uh, now we have a race to the top, a six billion dollar effort based on bribery and manipulation psychologically to get people to get a different result. So the tampering is on a massive scale. Mm. So the federal government comes in and is bri bribing states to the tune of $100, $200 million or more, some places four or $500 million that they can get uh, to try to, you know, to pump into education, which desperately needs money, and uh, but only if they do these things, <laughs> only if they have pay for performance things for their teachers, uh, uh, only if they adopt Common Core, only if they do all these things. And these are all so, things then that, that are really damaging to an education system. Well, it shuts down innovation. Okay. See. Mm -hmm. And so you're you're really dumbing the system down. And so in some cases, in really poor, you know, situations. Just doing that as a stabilization thing, you know, will probably get a better result than what you had before. So, so what you're let me connect the dots here a little bit. So, what you're saying around uh, innovation starts to go away because teachers are focused on their pay for for performance scheme. Is that that kind of what's going on? And my focus instead of being on how do I uh, develop better methods as a teacher that I'm uh, focused now on what I have to do to survive or to uh, uh, check off the the checklist of things I need to do f uh, for pay for performance. Is that, that is that what that's you're right. looking to? Okay. And the the research on this is just crystal clear from DC and others um, that pretty much debunk the whole behaviorist uh, model that. Um, the higher the reward or the punishment, we can get the mouse, man, an organism of some kind to, to do things. And, and basically you can, but only in the moment. So when you apply that to a broader scale, you can get a whole state to do crazy stuff 
as long as you keep bribing them with the money. Mm. So as soon as the money runs out, well, what happens? Pretty much the system goes back to what it was doing before. Oh, okay. You haven't made any change. So the basic rule with that is the higher the extrinsic motivator of any kind, punishment or reward, the lower the learning. Hmm. That connection is just crystal clear. So if you're going to try to, you know, once again, you know, just pay teachers more, if you get these test scores, then you're going to get, you know, certain pay raise. Well, if I make that strong enough, if I make that pay raise, let's say you could double your salary if all your test scores go up by a certain percentage. Well, that's not a method. <laughs> it's just trying to bribe people because the assumption, again, is that they're withholding better methods. Mm-hmm. See? And okay. so people are going to get the results. Okay. Uh, I like what uh, Brian Joyner always said. There's basically only three ways you're going to get better figures. One, you improve the system, actually improve it. Or two, you distort the system, you get uh, demonstrated results at the, at the expense of other results. So stop doing this and do that, and you, and you get results, but it doesn't take a holistic, systemic view of things. A really good example of that is uh, because of all this pressure, many, many schools are dropping things like sports programs and music programs and and putting more emphasis on science and math. And That's a really good example of distorting the system mm. to try to get results. And actually, it makes, and it's been proven over and over, it makes things worse, not better, because, you know, people need other outlets other than just <laughs> getting math scores. Math and, and, math third, and English, yeah. third way to get better figures is to distort the figures, just lie. Mm. Well, we've <laughs> so seen that, too. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. Happening on a national basis. So, you know, I always think about what my grandmother taught me, uh, that is, uh, even this too will pass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No matter how bad the situation, and that's just what's going to happen here. As soon as the six billion dollars runs out, uh, this is going to pass, and uh, you know, then the system's basically going to go back to what it was doing before. So, hmm. but that's not real systemic improvement. That's not actually studying the system. Yeah. They're preventing performance and making a change. Because if you actually do that, that's really difficult. <laughs> it's a whole lot easier just to offer a trophy or uh, a bonus pay. or That didn't take any brains to do that. Okay. David, we appreciate you uh, sharing your thoughts about uh, you know what's going on in the education system today. And uh, we look forward to future education episodes with you. Great. Thanks. Hi, this is Trip Abbott announcing the 21st Annual International Deming Research Seminar, where you can see and hear the latest applications of Dr. W. Edward Deming's philosophy. The 2015 Research Seminar will be held in Washington, D.C., March 23rd and 24th at the Georgetown University Conference Center. Join us to hear innovative new approaches and directions being tested by others to enhance operations, build trust, foster leadership, promote commerce, create ethical business cultures, and sustain success. Register for the event at the Deming.org website. I hope to see you there.